Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S T-O-L-K-I-E-N and Instagram at Tipples and Tolkien. So cozy up, pour yourself a drink, and come on a journey with us this fall on Tipples and Tolkien. Hey Andrea. Uh-huh. What do you hear? <laughs> Nothing but the rain. Grab your gun and bring the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do it? Why would you make me take part in that? <laughs> action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. Repeat. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. The silence were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look. And feel. Human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There are many, there copies. Are many, copies. There are many copies. And they have a plan. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the podcast. Welcome, listeners, to Set Condition One, a Night Shift Radio original. From somewhere out in space in a raptor all by myself, I'm your host, SC1 Actual <laughs> Caleb. And virtually joining me from back on the, uh, the Galactica CIC is the new, newly promoted uh, actual, actual, Galacta actual, uh, Kitsy. Affirmative, Husker. <laughs> Thank you. Husker. And uh, somewhere leading her very own Cylon Civil War uh, rebellion faction, we presume, uh, is the president of the podcast, The Twelve Colonies and Our Hearts, Andrea. (laughs) I sure hope I'm not dead. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope Uh, I'm not. We're just going to find out that that everyone who was on that base ship when it jumped away is just now dead. And like, that's just like the end of their story was the, the, uh, the hybrid yelling, jump! (laughs) They realized they had too much to wrap up in this back two thirds of the season, so they figured out a. Okay, so speaking of that, I'm, I'm glad that you you put it that way, because does it not feel to you? And maybe that's a leading question. To me, it feels like <laughs> they they spent the first three seasons or so, like kind of establishing and hinting at like, yes, there's a civilian government, but we don't really care that much about them. And then suddenly in season four, they're like, oh fuck, we got to do something with this government. <laughs> Well, especially, like, the Quorum of Twelve, that's, yes, it's very funny that you say that because I've been thinking that they've been showing up a lot and that they also, it's not even just that, like, we haven't heard much about them. It's that, like, what the fuck have they been doing all this time? Now, all of a sudden, they're all, like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah, because now we have, now we have a main character in the quorum, so now we care about it suddenly. Mm. Well, yeah, exactly. That is fair. Although, I mean, Zarek's been there all along, and I don't know about y'all, but I care about what Zarek's been up to. Well, he's the vice president. He's I not in the quorum. <laughs> yeah. But he's been part of the civilian government, and we really have only seen from 
from Rosalind's point of view for mm-hmm. the most part, uh, except for like brief little snippets and mostly around uh, Kitsi, as you said, like when there was a, a main cast member, when Lee got uh, personally invited to the quorum by Tom Zarek uh, and then suddenly like, oh, it's government time. And um, I'm just going to get this off my chest right here at the top of the episode. Lee's hair gets bigger the more responsibility he has. <laughs> I think that's true of all of us. <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> no, that's science, Caleb. That's science. It's Everybody not. knows that. It's science. I'm pretty sure. That's I'm not even sure. science fiction. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think uh, mm, the more responsibility, pretty... higher the hair, closer to God. Yeah, you know? exactly. My hair has always been at its largest when I have had the the least responsibility and the most fuck the world attitude. Oh, or that's actually or or was the real hair the responsibilities we made along the way? Was the real responsibility the friends we made along the way? Was the real friends the hair we made responsibility, huh? Do you think about that? Oh shit. Was the quorum of 12 the real responsibility that friends made along the way? Well, I think so. <laughs> we could have kept going, but uh, I guess on the count of three, one, two, three, lift. We got a dead Cylon. We got a dead Cylon. <laughs> we got a dead Cylon. <sighs> well, rather, I like uh, a lot, too. Doc Cottle has himself a dead Cylon on his hands. <laughs> he tried, though. He tried so he hard. Did. I, You know what? Once again, I love Doc Cottle because yeah. they t- like they're in the middle of this tenuous truce uh, that you know, most of the, the the Galactica fleet, and as we learned, you know, a lot of the Cylons, you know, aren't particularly thrilled about uh, to begin with. And here we have, you know, Athena decides to shoot uh, Natalie the Six uh, because of the the crazy visions that she had, and like thinks that that's, that 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 Natalie's gonna gonna take her child Hera away from her. Uh, so she she's you know, bleeding out on the bulkhead. They they bring her to to sick bay and. Cottle does his God's damnedest to save her uh, because that's who he is. That's the kind of doctor he is. And I love it. He is the absolute best. I mean, it it just, it strikes me back to strikes me back. That's not really how that goes. Um, It reminds me of, we struck back. It reminds me of uh, (laughs) on new Caprica when uh, I forget who it is. I think it's another six says to him, like you could have just let whoever it is die. Like he's operating on a Cylon and, like you just let them die, and and Cottle was like, "No, this is what I do." Like, he, he doesn't care. Like to him, a patient is a patient. Cylon human doesn't mm-hmm. matter. His job is to help people, and Absolutely. and heal them and fix them. And I just, I love that he does not let the politics or the war or whatever get in the way. It's just I have a patient. I have a duty to help that patient. That is what I do. Mm-hmm. And I just, mm-hmm. that's right. He, he's he's the he's the best person on this show. I really think he might be. He might be. He's the best human being, or is he? Or is he? <laughs> I think he's I feel a like human. Doc Coddle's I, the actual Cylon God. Well, I, <laughs> I feel like Coddle is the, possibly the one character that you haven't figured to be a Cylon. There yeah. was a moment on New Caprica, like for a second in the episode when Deanna comes to visit him and mm-hmm. she says the thing about. Like, we're all right on the inside. I don't remember if that's exactly what she says, but it's, like, basically that. Basically, yeah. Um, where I, like, was a little, hmm, about it. Although my new theory, though, posits, or I guess it allows for the potential for everybody being a little bit Cylon. We're we'll all see. a little bit Cylon. 
mm-hmm. in our own way. That's right. <laughs> the real silence were the friends we made. <laughs> the real silence were the me we made along the way because we're all the, a little bit. The meat. What? <laughs> we all share a little of the same meat. Um, honestly, you know, I, I, I will say that uh, I believe Doc Cottle's motion, uh, Motives are in, entirely pure in, like, that's just who he is. Like, he has, he has gone into medicine as a profession because he genuinely wants to help people. When it comes to Cylons, I got to imagine there's also just just a hint of professional curiosity. And the more times he gets to mm. see inside one, the, the more, you know, the more informed he becomes. Yeah. Maybe. That's, that's, yeah. Kinda, that's, that's my personal headcanon that Ooh. he, like, he'd help them regardless. But he's also learning. Yeah. I mean, like, why did he run all those tests on, um, what's the guy's name? Adama's Cylon, you know? Like, he didn't, was there any reason? We, we'll wait till we get there. <laughs> what? Oh, no. We'll wait. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Is what? this going to be some, like, dark experiment? Like, we find out he's actually doing, like, really, like, fucked up experiments on them? Oh, God, no. Oh, I don't want that. He would never. No, he wouldn't. We're not. We're not going to find that out. I, I'll, t- I'll just say that right now. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or will it? No. It no. Won't. Or will it? Um, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend. That's not. He's not. That's not Doc Cottle. But while Cottle is trying desperately to save Natalie, and while uh, the Admiral is uh, grilling uh, Athena as to why the fuck she shot uh, Natalie over a vision. Uh, a dream, uh, and she can't explain it. Other, I know she was gonna hurt my child, and he's like, "You're insane." I love that he gives <laughs> no time for it. I love that he yeah. gives her this like, "I'm not mad, I'm disappointed, but also I'm mad." Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he sends her to the brig, and like, she's like, "But like, you know, let me keep my child." He's like, "The brig's no no place for a child." <laughs> Which is true. Such it a, is. Yeah, but it's such a good line. Man, I'm sure we've talked about this more than once, but quiet, angry Adama is oh. just, good God, you do not want that turned on you. He gets intense. Mm. Okay, we, we will get there. Mm-hmm. Um, while this is all happening, of course, as we, we mentioned, the, the quorum uh, must have their voices heard. Which, again, I, I, I said this last time, and at the risk of repeating myself uh, ad nauseum, um, why the fuck do we care what the quorum thinks about the the military commanders making a uh, like a search and rescue decision? Now, I will temper that by acknowledging that at some point they do talk about commandeering some of the other uh, ships of the fleet mm-hmm. to engage in this endeavor. Sure, but that still falls. I think. Personal opinion, I, I want to hear yours as well, both of you. Uh, that, that seems to me to fall on Adama's side of the power divide that he and, and Rosalind set up, where you know he makes the military decisions and defers to her for anything that is civilian, governmental, mm-hmm. you know, the general well-being of the people of the fleet. Uh, it feels to me that it, it falls as a, a military decision, and it's none of their fracking business anyway. It seems to me that the job of the quorum for the show is to raise questions, like to give um, 
Roslyn and Lee and Zarek and whomever in the moment a place to talk through the things that otherwise that like we need to know as the viewer, mm-hmm. but that they don't really have a place to talk about them otherwise. There's a fly in here and it is. Oh, you mean issues like the, the question of succession, which by law goes directly to the vice president, Tom Zarek, who, uh, who does claim that, that, uh, that office. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> much to the uh, extreme disapproval of the admiral. <laughs> it was like, like hell he is. <laughs> I, lo- I love, I can't, you just, it's just, <laughs> okay, yeah, th- this whole, the way they do politics in this, like, they just kind of decide, like, okay, this person's the president now, like, th- that's not how you do it. You can't, like, or, and if, even when you do vote, like, that, like, Adama, I, I love you, and your judgment is quite often correct. And I'm not saying whether or not Zarek would or wouldn't be a good president. He wouldn't, but but, in, in, but rules is rules. Yeah, he is like, he is legally the president. That's how that works. Like you can't just is the, Adama the like, one who's like, but he wasn't voted. I don't remember if it's Adama or Lee or, but it's like, he, well, no, because that's not how it works. Well, he was he was elected to be vice president. And part of electing someone to be vice president is saying, if something happens to the president, this is the person we want to be president. So in that sense, yes, he was voted into that office. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Adama, you can't just you can't just ignore the results of a political election just because you don't like it. Well, I don't. So the the um, this show is way ahead of its time. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> the inferior transcript site that I am forced to, to rely on now doesn't give me any um, direction as to who's talking. Uh, I remember enough snippets to get the, the, the gist of it. But in this exchange, uh, honestly, it could be either one of them saying some of these lines. Uh, I know it's Lee saying, you know, by refusing to meet with Eric, you're simply helping him fan the quorum's suspicions. And the Admiral saying their suspicions don't concern me. And he's like, look, maybe he's not the man he hope, we hoped for, but he is next in line and the fleet needs reassurance mm-hmm. and stability, the, the kind that only its military commander can offer. Uh, and this is him establishing, like, you know, this, this is a situation that requires us to uh, take leadership of. Uh, but as we learn, uh, you know, we know, but as you know, the, the story progresses and, and everyone else uh, is kind of let in on uh, the inner workings of the Admiral's brain. He's incredibly emotionally compromised and is not fit for, for duty uh, and not fit for making these these uh, broad decisions mm-hmm. because he is going uh, entirely based off of his uh, distress well, that his, suddenly his, Laura is gone. His space girlfriend is gone. According to the Admiral, Zarek can go to hell. And I, I, <laughs> he's like, do you... Uh, He's like, okay, I guess. So, of course, this has uh, Vice President, now uh, presumed President uh, Tom Zarek and Quorum Delegate Lee Adama uh, discussing this. And Lee trying to talk some sense into Zarek that, like, look, um, maybe the, the Quorum is okay with this, but the Admiral is never going to cooperate with you under any circumstances. And realistically like you're not going to get anything done without his support at all and i mean even at one point the quorum even asked like lee like you know you know him him being adama uh 
better than the rest of us. Like, do you really think your father is going to accept Tom Zarek as president? Lee kind of takes a pause and goes, no, I don't. No. Like, yeah. Lee, Lee knows already. He's like, this, this ain't going to fucking work. Just straight up. But uh, apparently colonial law does allow for, in extenuating circumstances, the quorum can nominate and install an interim president until elections can be held again. And so Lee is tasked with so it's, helping to find this person. So it's up to Lee and apparently Romo Lampkin to fucking pick up her? Like, what? What? I am so excited that Romo Lampkin is back because he was way too good to be a one-episode oh, character. Oh, agree. Yeah, or I was, I was one happy because it was hundred percent. I love yeah. him on this show. But why is he the... Like, he's not even in the government. Why is he the... Like, what the it fuck? Is, like bird law out here like there's no <laughs> yes I, it's just like it, it just makes no sense it makes it couldn't it, the the I rules mean, are made I up just, and the points don't sh- matter like honestly and i just kind of learned to roll with it and in fact the more ridiculous they get with just making up how these things should happen the more i'm just like yeah sure why not let the lawyer and the cat pick like why why even have lee here let the two of them figure it out which I guess is I mean, kind it, of what happens. Which is pretty much what happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it it does kind of make sense. I mean, you, you've got to stretch things a little bit and kind of suspend some disbelief. But it does kind of make sense that they would get the one legal expert that they know involved in a matter of law and succession. And uh, they have been able to establish, establish that uh, Lampkin is seemingly about the the least bias they're going to get. <laughs> seemingly. <laughs> Although uh, uh, Kitsy disagrees, and I imagine that I agree with you. Oh, I thought they just had the hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you have the hiccups? Uh, y- I mean, yes, but that's house. not what that was. Hmm. <laughs> Spoonful of peanut butter every time. Hold on, my cat is um, having a sneezing fit. It's very cute. That's what you were hearing. Maybe. Um, no, I don't like this episode. <laughs> really? I like this episode. It, it, I don't know. I mean, it's rough. It's, it bores me. Like, I just don't care. Okay. Listeners, you so, can't see my face, but I am confused. We're going to go all the way through this uh, side story oh, of God. Lee and Lampkin first because i have something that i want to uh posit that i specifically want to see andrea's face when i say it out loud uh so lee and lampkin get together they they put their heads together after discussing uh lampkin's fee and realizing that he's just not going to get anything out of it um because his his uh arrangement with rosalind for defending baltar was as he put it, a room with a view, which was approximately mm-hmm. one foot by one foot. <laughs> can we? Uh, can we? Can we? Can we? Window to space. Can we talk about this for a second here? How he's like, you know, I don't work for free, and and Lee's like, well, what did you get for Baltar? And he's like, a room with a view. And Lee's like, well, I can't do better than that. And and then Romo's like, free it is, I guess. Like you literally <laughs> just said you don't work for free. What the like? What the fuck was that? What was the purpose of that? I mean. He just likes fucking with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, that, sure, but like, <sighs> well, and also because if Lee was like, "Sure, name your price," he's not going to say no. Like, you might as well see if you can get a few bucks, right? A few space bucks. 
Have you used space we don't have money? We don't even know. Yes, yeah, so we do. Yeah, we, we've seen them uh, gambling with money. And presumably, it's somewhat uh, scarce, so it's got to have some, some made-up value to it as well. Uh, because money all has made up. All money is fake. Capitalism is a screen. Uh, where am I looking for this? Oh, I keep keep missing it. Uh, I'm trying to uh, remember this this actor's name because realistically, that's like every character that I have seen him play is always just uh, Mark Shepard. I'll say it's Mark something. Mark Shepard. Yeah, Mark Shepard's characters, in my limited experience, are always the kind of person that will fuck with you with the wryest smile on, on his face uh, every time. And I love it. Uh, like, it doesn't have to make sense because you know that he's just doing it just to, just to needle at people. Yeah, he's so fun to watch. <laughs> uh, but he and, he and Lee and Lance the cat, uh, they, they have their, their sessions where they, they write down something like 46 names or something like that. And they... That's they you know, they start with this list of you know potential candidates and uh, try to to narrow down who uh, who would and wouldn't be uh, a good fit and they just keep crossing the names off. No one's right. No one's right till eventually Lambkin's like, yeah, fuck it. None of these people are good. And he erases it and Lee's like, we weren't done. And he's like, weren't we though? <laughs> and meanwhile, Lee's tripping over the cat bowl. He's like, Jesus, do you ever feed this? Where is the fucking cat anyway? And, uh, you know, we see the, the cat go running by in the room and Lampkin give him a kind of a, a smile. And we see him talk to the, to Lance every now and then. Um, but eventually Lampkin comes to the conclusion, uh, after, you know, sitting in, and staring at the, the blank list, uh, a blank list that he just erased. Mm-hmm. And after having a, you know, a conversation with the, the Admiral about, you know, he's like, you know, Tom Zarek, he might not be that bad. Just kind of like feeling it out. And the Admiral's like, mm-mm, nah, hard pass. Not happening. And he's like, cool. Here's some uh, writs of forfeiture from the, uh, the ship's captains from all those ships that you want to take because they don't want to be held liable for anything that happens, which is... That's reasonable. Incredibly accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're about to go on like this massive military search and rescue mission to re- you know rescue the president and like half of our fighter pilots and like deck crew, like you know just a ton of people that are very important to the the day to day operations of this fleet. But you know we got to cover our asses legally. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate it, but I love it too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So after all this. You know, we, we see a, a hint in uh, Lampkin's crooked smile that he's already come to a conclusion and he has this whole monologue with himself where he, you know, because that's how monologues work, uh, where he, he, he talks through it. He's like, you know, t- you know, telling Lance the cat, like, sometimes you take a case and you know that the, the outcome is inevitable. You do it anyway. And, you know, nevertheless, it's staring you in the face. There can only be one name. And he writes a name on the board and walks away. And we later see that that name is Lee Adama. Mm-hmm. And he confronts Lee. Saw it coming a fucking mile Right, mm-hmm. right. Because, I mean, that's why Lee's hair got so big. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because uh, he, he had to step up into his next, uh, next <gasps> form. See, and that's why... <laughs> Rosalind is bald. That's, that's why Rosalind couldn't be president anymore. They had to get rid of her. She lost all her hair. That is that is actually <laughs> an unspoken rule in Battlestar Galactica. Whoever has, it's actually contrary to popular belief. It's not the biggest hair, but the best hair gets to be president. Mm. You think Lee has the best <laughs> hair? No, but someone does. Rosalind got Samsoned. 
And so uh, Lee, hair. Lee encounters uh, Ram, uh, uh, Romo in the, the corridors, and Romo's like, congratulations, Mr. Baltar. President. And Lee is like, yeah, Baltar does have the best hair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> James Callis absolutely has 100%, the best hair. But, yeah. but there's a problem. Baltar can't He's be president because we have multiple Dreda's contacts. So we're going to go ahead and jump to a new location, and we come back. We'll talk about the rest of this episode. Hello, I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Colin Ryan. And we're here to tell you about the new podcast coming to the Night Shift Radio Network. It's something two white cishet dudes have never covered. Star Trek. But here's the twist. The omnipotent god is actually a malfunctioning robot? No, well... Maybe, but the real twist is we roped our mom into it. That's me. Hi, Hi, Mom. In the monthly podcast, we will cover all the Trek movies from the motion picture to beyond. Our lifelong love of Trek comes from being introduced to it by our mom at a very young age. But that's a story for the podcast. Look at you, Mom. You're a natural. That's why I'm the Admiral. So join us September 8th for our monthly podcast, Where No Mom Has Gone Before. Available on the Night Shift Radio Network, wherever in subspace you catch your podcasts. Now, which one is the one with the whales? Four. So... Lee encounters Ramo in the corridors, and Ramo delivers the news that, you know, they, they've made the decision, the only possible decision, and Lee's like, my name wasn't on that list, and he's like, well, of course not, because that would have been too easy, wouldn't it? But you wanted it, uh, but you're never going to have it, and points a gun at him, and Lee's like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> this, we should talk about this. This is, okay, this is one of the reasons I don't like this episode, because this makes no fucking sense to me. Doesn't it, though? No, I, I legitimately do not understand what the fuck is going on in this scene. Um, and then... See, I okay. didn't at the time, but then you explained to me what was happening, and then I thought I understood, but maybe not. So, Caleb, why don't you tell us what happens, and then maybe you can explain to me what the fuck is going on. Sure. So he pulls a, a really dope four-barreled pistol on uh, on Lee. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, Those don't exist. What the heck? No, that's not. That's actually not my problem. Now, nah. so Roma knows that deep down, Lee is an ambitious person who uh, will accept power, but does not actively seek it. He will take what is handed to him, mm-hmm. uh, which. I, I will argue is one of Lee's character flaws. Uh, he will he will take any authority and any power given to him, but he does not necessarily actively seek it out, especially when it comes to uh, you know civilian power. I, I, you could argue that he was a little bit more proactive with military authority, um, but he's given that up. So Lee deep down wants this, and he's never going to volunteer that. He's never going to even openly admit it or probably admit it to himself. I think like it, it's a subconscious thing where he, he definitely does want it, but hasn't even convinced himself that, that that's true yet. 
Lampkin in his way of uh, liking to shock people and liking to fuck with people uh, <laughs> decides that the best way to get Lee to realize that is to dangle it in front of him and immediately take it away by threatening to kill him, uh, thus triggering Lee's natural defense mechanisms where he talks, you know, he, he thinks he's talking Romo down from killing him. And what he's really doing is showing that he does have the, the drive and the passion and the desire. And uh, he says something to the effect of like, you know what? I'm going to do a really good job at this. <laughs> and Romo lowers the gun. He's like, then swear it. And we get the immediate transition to Lee taking the oath of office. So this is Romo forcing Lee to admit no. not only out loud, but to himself that no, he he wants the office of the presidency and genuinely believes he's the only one that can do it. Okay, that's fine. You left out a m- major part of that. And that is the point that Romo has Lee open up uh, the, the, oh, cat, the cat. The cat. You're bag. right. I don't know what the fuck is up with the cat. Oh, I'm getting oh, there. Okay. Okay. Oh. I'm getting there. This is the thing that I specifically want to, to, to postulate and see what y'all think. The cat is dead. Lance the cat is dead. Uh, Romo goes into this whole thing about like humanity is doomed. They're depraved. They're, they, 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 they don't deserve another chance. Just let us die because you, you, Leodama, would give us hope and we don't need that. And he's like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, what are you he's talking like, they about? They killed... They killed my cat. And he's like, who? He's like, these, these people. And he's like, oh, my God. Romo, how long has the cat been dead? The cat's been dead for weeks. Now, we have seen Lance the cat in this episode. And we, we have saw seen Lee Romo see Lance the cat. No, we didn't. Doesn't we saw didn't... Romo see Lance the but cat Lee... when Lee asked, where is he anyway? The cat was right there in the room. Lee didn't see it. Lee cat... says where... Is the cat's he? a head angel. Wait, but he said the cat's a Cylon. The cat's a head so, angel. Okay. But wait. The cat's a six or a Baltar like style head angel for, for Lampkin. Now, here, okay, so here's the part I don't get. <laughs> here's the part I don't get. Is, Kitsy, let me savor this moment. Okay. Take away, quit. But. <laughs> let, let me say. Please tell me we got a screenshot of that right. face. Well, <laughs> because here's the thing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm coming in and out of like making sense of it for myself and then it not making sense. And then it, because, okay, because, because, because in that moment, Lee doesn't say, I thought Lee says something like. So, so Lee trips over the bowl, which they show to be upside down on the floor. Oh, and that's mm-hmm. why Lee says, and he's, do you even, do you even feed? feed this thing? And where is he I anyway? I as. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, so now mind you, the cat probably is not a, a head angel, no. but that's my that's my new okay. my new theory. So Lee but, finds the because, body. But I mean, I think Romo's the only one that can that can see it, and he talks to it mm-hmm. just just like we see with Six and Baltar. Lee says the cat's been dead for weeks, mm-hmm. right? Now. Yeah. It's been more. It's been a yeah, few been, years since the attacks on the colonies at this point, right? Like we've we've established that it's been at least a couple of years. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when Lee mentions the cat's been dead for weeks, so Romo's parents is carrying around a dead cat in a bag. Which how would you not smell that anyway? Um, 
And then Romo starts Good talking bag. about how he just picked the cat up from the vet when the attacks happened. And it's him. When the attacks happened, he had just, but I don't think he meant the yeah. cat's yeah. body. He, he's he's launching into this like it it was it's not even my cat it was my wife's I had just picked it up from like the vet when the, the bombs went place. off and I had the choice to make I could go get on the shuttle and like save myself or I could go back and try to protect my family and Lee has to make the 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 response like you know a lot of us have made decisions like that like I know your story I've read your file you know your wife's name your your children's name and you know what there was only a handful of people that did get in that shuttle most of the people died and like there wasn't really any more that you could have done so that that reference is talking about you know 3 plus years ago during the attack on the colonies it is not in any way related to the cat's death uh, within the last okay. month or so, uh, it is simply him processing that that grief over like I got stuck with this cat and lost my entire family, and that's why he hates the cat so much. Because okay, because the the the, the a way you could read that, is, especially when he's like they killed my cat, and then starts talking about the attack on the colonies, it sounds like he's saying the Cylons' attack on the colonies killed my cat, which. You know, obviously that's not what happened, but like that, that, so that was a little confusing, but then, but then who did kill the cat? Like, we don't like, know. So, so, but what, like, what would be the, that this but, is where I'm with you, Kitsy. Like, like who, who killed the cat and why? It's the why for me. Like what? And then why would you carry around the dead cat in a bag for well, weeks? Grief. grief is why you carry around the dead cat in a bag for weeks. That part I understand. Okay, sure. It's the, like one tie he has to his family. I just, uh, and but, yes. but, but well, luckily we're going to get the, the spinoff miniseries where uh, Romo turns detective and figures out who killed the cat. And then he well, avenges because... its death. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like it's the <laughs> precursor to John Wick, but it's about a cat instead of a dog. But it makes no sense that somebody would have killed that cat. I, I have a hard time with that, which, and I, what I'm about to say right now, I don't believe happened, but it almost could lead someone to think that for some reason, especially when the next thing that happens is he pulls the gun before you figure out what's going on there, is that like Romo killed his own cat. Again, I don't believe for a second that happened. I just think it's like mm. a weird, that I, moment is a little odd. I wouldn't. Romo's not a cat killer. I wouldn't rule it out as manipulative as he is. And no, I wouldn't he's not rule a cat it out. Killer. I don't think he did it, but I can't say for certain that You'd he have didn't. To be, I mean, people who kill animals for sport. Split the difference. Cat died of natural causes. Romo saw this as an opportunity to that, further his point for that's Lee. That's probably that the most likely see. thing, actually. Yeah. Again, this whole sequence is intended to manipulate Lee. Mm-hmm. The entire thing, uh, from you know the you know congratulating him to pulling the gun on him to giving them the whole speech about the cat to eventually like light bulb. You just admitted. Now go take the oath. The whole thing is meant to manipulate Lee. It is very much a Romo thing to see his dead That's cat so as like he he plays every he plays every game several steps ahead, mm-hmm. and to see you know his cat die of any reason and think like, yeah, I can use that. Mm-hmm. That I, I mean, I could. Yeah, yeah that that's you know it's yeah. Mark Shepard in this role, I keep thinking of like, and this is just me being whatever, but like. Oh, it feels like he's doing a kind of Sherlock, not like like um, 
a little Benedict Cumberbatch, but the one I really think of is um, Johnny Lee Miller in Elementary. He's got that kind of vibe, but both shows okay. came way after. So if anybody yeah. is doing anybody's thing, it's them doing Mark Shepard, which I really like because he, I feel like he's so great and he's been in so many things, but he just really hasn't gotten the like uh, recognition, I guess, that I think he really should. Um, yeah. And so it's interesting to see him being kind of the like, like he would be, I would love to see that spit off of him figuring out who killed the cat and doing his own kind of Sherlock. That would be, I would love yes. that. I, I just want more Mark Shepard. Yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah. Kitsy, all of this, it, like I understand completely why you say you don't like this episode. All of this is exactly why I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Mark Shepard's performance in this is flawless. And the way that the character of Romo uh, does this whole thing to manipulate Lee and get us to what we all knew was going to be the outcome. As soon as they're like, <laughs> oh, they need to nominate someone else for president. Oh, Lee's involved. Who could it be? Who's going to end up being the president? I, Leland. I just... Leland. I just... <laughs> His name is Leland. It's Leland. I love it. I agree that Mark Shepard's performance is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one's denying that. Anyone who is is wrong. Correct. Stop saying that. <laughs> Stop it right now. Uh... I don't know that I agree that he needed to do all that to convince Lee to step in as as president. I, 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 that's the thing I don't buy. I don't think any of that shit was necessary. Think about every other time that Lee has changed roles and stepped up into authority. It's always been after some big event, some trauma, and someone like pushing him. Okay. Like he didn't just... He didn't just become a lawyer. He had this whole blow up with his father about his, you know, his principles and his integrity and whatnot. And he resigned his commission and went and became a lawyer. And even when, you know, offered, you know, all is forgiven, come back. He's like, no, uh, he, he didn't seek political office until Sam's Eric came a knocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then he spent, you know, uh, however much time behind the scenes thinking it over. Uh, he, he didn't seek out command of a, a battle star, but you know the, there was this whole shakeup with the Pegasus crew, and suddenly, like, oh, who's the right one for the job? It's gonna be Lee. It's oh, I guess it's gonna be Lee. It's gonna be Lee. Uh, so it's more in sync. I, I think that like, was this overly dramatic? Sure. Was it uh, you know par for the course for Lee's character? In my opinion, yes. I think the. I think Romo is acting way in character for Romo. I think Romo knows Lee. I mean, like, he spent all that time in the court with him, and it wasn't until, like, Lee had to get put on the stand, and it was, like, a whole thing that finally got him to give that big, like, impassioned speech. And we've talked about it before that Lee has seemed very kind of, like, floating along and Mm wishy-washy until it comes time to like push against something um, that he has always struck me as somebody who is happy and not, not that there's anything, not that there's anything wrong with it, but to be the one who's kind of like, like the, you know, uh, reading Zarek's book and being a fan of Zarek and 
sort of like listening to Baltar stuff and just kind of like being on the edges of those kinds of things and like being Rosalind's like little buddy when they were early on getting along so well. And like literally he's second in command to his father. Like I think all of that is where he seems most comfortable. And so I, I again, like, like you said, Caleb, I think it, or maybe like I said, one of us said, somebody said, like, I th- yeah, I just, I think maybe Romo overshot what he needed to do, but, but I think it makes sense for both of their characters that they behave the way they did. Yeah. Like could Romo have achieved the same results with a slightly less dramatic, but still kind of jarring. Like a baseball uh, bat. Yeah. <laughs> and it Verbal assault cold. on Lee. Probably. But what, like, I mean, Romo's going to go big. Like, we saw him in the courtroom. <laughs> we we saw his, go big. We saw his tactics. I yeah. mean, yeah, that, that's Romo goes big. That's what he does. I get it. I just, I feel like all it would have taken is like, Lee, listen, we need someone that your father's going to respect and accept as president and work with, and who better than you for that position? So please do it. And he'd be like, okay. I just, yeah, I just I mean, don't think, th- I just, I just, I, th- I think this was completely... I mean, Robo's not gonna turn down a chance to be dramatic, though. He is not yet one time that we've seen him. So, so we we don't have to, to dwell on this for for too long. But I, I just I, I think it I think it really just comes down to like Lee would have put up a fight at that, and Romo knows it, and Romo uh, chose a more. <laughs> jarring and dramatic way to get to his result quicker than going back and forth with Lee. Like, no, I can't. No, you, you really can. No, I couldn't. I, no, I'm not the right. You really are though. And like that just, that would have bored and annoyed Romo and he, he probably would have shot. And Lee you know what? It would have bored he, annoyed us too, I guess. Is, <laughs> yeah. is the other problem. If he had, if he had tried to do it the rational way, he would have ended up shooting Lee. Fine. <laughs> Anyway, some other shit happens this episode. Um, so, of course, uh, the, the Admiral learns about uh, uh, Ty having a, you know, kind of a, a closeness with, uh, with Caprica, with, with the six uh, who was in the brig. And he asks uh, him to, to help get information about the whereabouts of the, uh, uh, of the uh, Resurrection Hub, which is weird because they already found it. Like, their, their raptor found mm-hmm. it, like, last episode. Mm-hmm. So... That's weird. Well, uh, but it gives us another chance to see some some creepy, uh, you know, Ty in his own head thinking about Ellen. That's true. I do recall there being a kind of a throwaway line there about that the resurrection hub jumped away. Like, it, it's not where they left it. Maybe. I don't remember I, that. I, but. I, I vaguely recall someone saying, like, yeah, it's, it's gone. It's not there anymore. Um, that would that would check out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I buy it. I mean, spaceships um, don't tend to stay in one place <laughs> usually all that long. But uh, in a separate scene, we also have uh, Cuddle informing the the admiral, as Andrea had hinted at earlier, that uh, he had done some tests on on the prisoner, and then we cut away to, to something else. We don't hear what until, until oh boy uh, until. until Adama until Adama confronts Saul about it. No, I do like this part. He's like. He's uh-huh. like, you know, she's pregnant, right? Uh-huh. So, like, what else have you given to her? <laughs> like, how many of our <laughs> secrets have you spilled? And there's this whole great thing where uh, 
And Ty's like, don't you question my loyalty. (laughs) This is like the Admiral at his like most like quiet, Mm -hmm. vicious intensity. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't need your loyalty. I need your confidence. (laughs) You're my first officer. I need judgment. I need your confidence through jeopardizing this ship putting it at risk because of your weaknesses. <laughs> Again, just, I'm not just, mad. Ooh. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Stab, Ugh. stab, stab, it's really, stab with every yeah. word. Oh, God. <laughs> and, but Ty gives it right back. And this, I love the dynamic yes. between these two uh, yes. so much. Where Ty gives it right back. is like, you're risking all our lives. For what? Our missing pilots? No, for a woman. <laughs> He's, I mean, he's right. He's though, right. right? Like, <laughs> and of course, they, they trade more barbs uh, like that. And, you know, the admiral is like, what should you say? Let's, uh, that's not some woman. That's the president. That's no lady. That's my <laughs> wife. <laughs> and uh, you know, takes a jab at, at Ellen and takes a, a jab at, uh, at Saul for, for fracking the prisoner. And then they fight. And it's awesome. <laughs> so good. They, they break the ship. And, which the the model ship to be clear not the galactica they don't break the galactica that'd be a fucking epic fight Uh is a great tension breaker because Mm -hmm. they like as they're panting on the floor like on the verge of like either tears or laughter or both Uh, the admiral's just like do you know how many times i've had to repair this thing (laughs) (laughs) which i i I love this moment because because it, it just it shows you how good of friends they really yeah. are, you know, like they, they were pissed at each other for, for good reason. It escalated. They, you know, had a fight and then they realized like, we're still friends. Like, wh- come on, we're not going to stop being friends. It was, just a, it was a very wholesome moment. And it's so good. I yeah. love them so much. That like, is so by much. far like, the best. How much I love them. That is by far the best scene in this episode, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. And the one that Absolutely. makes the most sense. <laughs> it's uh, definitely what? one of my favorite scenes overall at this point, I think. How, I however, it has some interesting implications. Oh. Uh, we know from previously on Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. He said the thing. I did. <laughs> that Cylons can't impregnate other Cylons. But we also know because. that Six is a Cylon, and we know that Ty is a Cylon, and we know that Ty's been fracking Six, and we know that Six is pregnant. So Wait. We know that love is the missing ingredient. It, hold on. It only just occurred to me that that doesn't mean that, that we don't know that Ty is Six's only visitor, we, do we? We don't. That's, yeah, we don't know that for sure. Uh... Yes, Caleb, love is the missing ingredient. That was, we don't know that. I believe that was, a, that was a maybe love is the missing ingredient. Like, I don't think we have ever verified that scientifically. I don't know how you would. No, uh, we definitely But also, didn't. do you think Saltai is capable of love? Yes. Yes, absolutely. He loves 100%. Adama. And I think he I, probably loves Starbucks sometimes. No. He desperately loves Ellen. It's incredibly oh, yeah. toxic and like, like, like unsafe relationship, but there's love there. Well, yeah, that's why mm-hmm. it, the relationship continued. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, um, okay. Yes, fair, I, fair, I, fair. I, I just, 
don't know. It's it's. I think that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, it has to be because when we need enough um, people who can make other people pregnant when we get to Earth to populate the planet in a way that is not uh, genetically difficult to consider. So, so that's good. There's, there's only 39,000 some odd people left that we don't think are Cylons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder... Man, I, I, I didn't... Oh, I actually, that also helps my theory. I actually wonder how... Like, oh, Kitsy. Well, when two people love each other. No, 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 no. I know. I get that part. What I'm, I'm wondering is like in, in a real scenario where there's only about 40,000 people left, could 40,000 people repopulate with enough genetic diversity that it wouldn't eventually just ruin the species of, of humans? I think so. I don't know why, but that feels, that feels like a big enough number. I don't know. Right? I don't know. I mean, well... One of the, uh, if, if we're talking about Earth, one of the primary... Uh, Adam I, and Eve. We started with two. No, no. Um, I, I should stress that I, I uh, this is something that I, I have read, so may not may or may not be the accepted scientific uh, consensus. Uh, but my understanding is that one of the primary reasons that such a diversity of life has developed here on Earth is because of the like the specific type and amount of radiation that we receive on the planet that spawns genetic mutations, both good and bad, which can lead to genetic diversity, uh, even in smaller sampler su- sample sizes, because you can kind of speed up the process of, mm. uh, of genetic change. So what you're saying is we're all X-Men. And that might actually just mm-hmm. be from, from Isaac Asimov, now that I think about it. That might not be science at all. <laughs> But it sounded viable, didn't it? <laughs> I honestly don't remember where I read that. I definitely read it, which means it was probably in a sci-fi book. That's so take take anything I say with uh, you know, the the well, like a very coarse grain of well, salt. Well, Caleb, this is a sci-fi show, so there is precedent there. Yes, there That's is true. Sci- sci-fi uh, and sci-fi channel. And we probably uh, wouldn't have Battlestar Galactica if not for Isaac Asimov. Mm-hmm. That I think is an absolutely fair statement. Um, it's wombats. It's wombats. I keep reminding myself to say it and then forgetting immediately the poop cubes. Oh yes, wombats. <laughs> the poop cubes. I said koalas. Um, did it's that wombats. make it into last week's episode? It did make it into last week's episode. Okay. So I don't see why it wouldn't. Well, it made it into the um, cold open anyway. I guess it is very germane to Battlestar Galactica as to what shape marsupials poop. That's how it came up, marpoopy. <laughs> And we're going to go ahead and split up the FTL drives, get the fuck away from that joke. No, I have. Hold on. That pun stinks. (laughs) (laughs) So the weird thing that that comes out of this uh, interaction between (laughs) Ty and Adama is that... uh, Adama's still sticking to his, his guns about like they're gonna they're gonna take the fleet and they're gonna go on the on the fucking war path. They're gonna find their missing ships. They they uh, we skipped over. There was a, a raptor that oh. jumped back, uh, but it jumped back uh, full of bullet, bullet holes in one dead body, and so they they kind of follow it back to the the site of where the the resurrection hub was. So actually, yeah, there's our answer. The resurrection hub mm-hmm. didn't move. They knew exactly where it was and they jumped back to it. So the whole thing about interrogating the six was bunk. Uh but they jump back and they see 
debris everywhere, much like what we saw oh, that's at right. the original site of the uh, the Civil War. Um, but they they find debris indicating resurrection technology, so they assume, uh, okay, the base star jumped back. They blew up the resurrection hub. There was a fight. Our fighters helped because they see uh, other like vipers and raptors and stuff like that floating in the, the debris field. Uh, but you know the admiral is convinced that the base ship with the president got away, and like he says something about like yeah, she'll she'll make it to the rendezvous point, which I don't remember them establishing a rendezvous Caleb, point. But you know what? I'm not privy to all the decisions. Caleb, if there's right. one thing, if there's one rule of Battlestar Galactica, it's that there's always a rendezvous point. Uh-huh. I think you know what? That's a very fair statement. The the admiral leaves leaves nothing to chance and always establishes a rendezvous point. Yeah. And emergency jump coordinates. Uh, so he's he's ready to go full on with this plan, and he even you know tells Starbuck that like you know get it get her pilots ready. We're doing this, and she's like, look, I don't have enough pilots to protect the fleet as it is, and you're asking. Yeah, we already you know, sent half of telling, them with the fucking yeah. base ship. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna stretch us even thinner. Like, I like my pilots are gonna feel like we're asking them to go on a suicide mission. And he oh. says, I'm not asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, but he he does eventually see reason, and he always does takes eventually. it. Yeah, he does eventually. But he takes it to the exact opposite extreme, uh, and he puts on a flight suit himself and sits in a raptor all by himself with a copy of Sea Rider Falcon uh, to wait. He's just just gonna, wait while 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 Ty is in charge of the the fleet. Ty has been has been you know field promoted. He's like to it Admiral. didn't go so well. I forget exactly what he <laughs> yeah, said. Like, Are you sure you're gonna put me in charge? It didn't really go so well last time. <laughs> yeah. So and, uh, and another reason to believe that Ty never actually did tell him about the whole martial law thing, <laughs> because you'd think that would come up, like at least to like try not to infl- yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in- invoke martial law this time. Yeah, he's like, oh my God, Adama, Jesus Christ, Andrea, but Adama's, never mind. I got, okay. oh boy, that was a blackout like I have not had in a long time. Anyway, yeah, it's very so, good and funny and weird. He's cool in a flight suit, though. I, I love, yeah. Husker, he's ready. Husker. He's, ready. he's in position. Uh-huh. I think the, uh, I, I feel like a Raptor cockpit is probably more his style these days than a, a Viper cockpit would have been. And, of course, he also wants to be able to, to pick up survivors if he has to. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I think he just wants to like to, to rendezvous with the president and, and make it before they uh, get back to Colonial One. You, you know what I really think yeah, is happening here? It. You did say make it. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> okay. I, I hate it. <laughs> I think... I make it. I think really he just wants a quiet place to finish reading Sea Rider Falcon, and this is the only way he's going to get that chance. You know, honestly, that that holds water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, is, that is a very good theory. Um, but yeah, so this is this is the state of the fleet. The uh, Saul is in charge uh, of the Galactica, which means I'm in charge Lee. of the podcast. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Oh man, I just have to sit quietly by myself reading a book. Yep. This is awesome. Lucky. <laughs> it's all you've ever wanted out of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Um, yeah, Lee is the the interim president, uh, and as far as we know, if if Rosalind ever comes back, he could potentially get voted in and, and be just the president. Um, the admiral is all alone, and uh, Starbuck went to grab her gun and bring in the cat. Mm. And uh, Andrea, how does that make you feel? <sighs> Scared and sad. I'm just ready for the two of them to never see each other again. Although I have said stuff like that, the show loves to set us up mm-hmm. for an ending and then not necessarily like deliver on that, which I think is really smart because then you never know when something like that is actually going to happen if it feels like it could happen at any time. True. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's not necessarily the case. However, I will not be surprised if whatever however i don't think it's the last time we'll see either of them but i I think there's a chance that it's the last time the two of them will ever see each other and oh boy am i ready to cry um two quick two quick things no because we covered the pregnancy thing one quick thing in those flashback episodes with adama and um saul where saul was looking like um bob odenkirk (laughs) he was younger Yes. yes. So that means Cylon do age. Well, or that Cylon anyway. It, it they they make it a point to say at some point I've never seen a Cylon age before. Yeah. But, but we have but apparently. We have it at the very least. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know what. Oh, that's like so little is known about this the 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 humanoid cylons and like when they actually came about when the you know we know that saul well i should say as far as we know saul has been part of the the colonial fleet for 40 years uh so a long time yeah you know when did he you know become embedded like we we don't know i mean yeah he he fought in the first cylon war so which was before the humanoid cylons were made supposedly so that's interesting mm-hmm. well the humanoid cylons yeah i mean well that's going to be hard to tease out because of the time loop that i've finally figured out is is going to happen or has happened it has happened before and it will in fact happen it will again. happen again yeah that is, is how time loops work yep mm-hmm. but um uh-huh. but that is he's the only one we've seen in flashback who is confirmed cylon for us at this point right yes Felt flashbacks that far back. I know we've seen some flashbacks with, with Boomer and Chief and stuff, but like never, right. never but s- nothing so far back that we would have been able to notice yeah, like, whether or not. Yeah, we haven't seen aged. like teenager Boomer or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Sam's not even as old as Saul's military career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a good point. Man. Um. Yeah. So that that'll be uh, interesting to uh, to explain. Uh, also worth noting that. Uh, Adama, the the big softy that he is, uh, does allow uh, Hera and Athena to be reunited before he leaves. But in the brig. Uh, in the brig. Mm-hmm. So apparently the brig is a place for a child. <laughs> he, yeah. I mean, he always comes around to some degree, but but what a show. So Kitsy. Yeah. I need you to take over and I need you to, to handle sailing this podcast off into the sunset. Affirmative, Husker. All listeners, this is SC1 Actual. Commence jump. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back 
such a prep. Set Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. So say we all. So say we all. I was going to try to say from far away as if that's, <laughs> but that would still confirm my so say we body. All. <laughs> that's me just careening out into space. So say we all. See, because I, I did it like, like Ty does at the end of the episode.